Hey, what's up, guys? It's Carlos Garcia with the Jesus Saves Podcast. Welcome to episode two. So today, um, I just want to talk to you about kind of the title of this podcast and let that kind of be the first episode for the podcast. Um, as you guys know, it's called the Jesus Saves Podcast. And so I want to talk about salvation a little bit and kind of like break it down for maybe the person who's not used to it. I think people who are um, used to going to church and used to, you know, maybe they're raised in a Christian background. You know, a lot of people have, whether it be Catholic or just regular Christian churches, you know, most people are are used to the word salvation or I'm saved or Jesus saves or something along those lines. But a lot of people actually don't know, like, really what that means. Like, if you really ask them about it, they they would just say, you know, well, Jesus saves me from my, you know, with the cross for my sins, you know, but they never really, I think a lot of people are able to like repeat that back to you, but they don't always know what it means. So um, I want to actually talk to you about what salvation is and then kind of give a breakdown of how it works. Okay. And so technically like the word salvation means like to save or to greatly help. It's that simple to save, you know, just like if someone was drowning in a swimming pool or drowning in the ocean and a lifeguard went out to save them, you would say, thank you for saving me. And so it's the same concept with God. God is the savior and he saved through Jesus Christ, which is his son. And he did that through the cross of Jesus Christ. And uh, so today I want to open up in a portion of scripture in first Timothy chapter one. Uh, verses 12 through 14. And we're going to listen to the words of a man named the Apostle Paul. And, you know, if you're not familiar with Bible, you know, you're, you're going to hear some names in this podcast and hear scriptures um, during this podcast that maybe you're not familiar with, because I, I really do want to be mindful of the person who's like just checking this out. Like, what is this about? And really speak to the outsider, um, not just insiders. Because if you if you get in the Christian culture, you qu- will quickly learn that there's insiders and outsiders. There's the saved and the non-saved. There's the Christian, the non-Christian, the believer and the unbeliever. And, you know, darkness, light, you know, you, you, get, you get the concept. And so you're going to hear from a man. This is actually um, the Apostle Paul, who at one time went by the name Saul. And he was actually an enemy of Christians of followers of Christ because he believed that they were a cult um, type religion that was coming up uh, and using Judaism, which was the the Old Testament religion. And they were using that um, as their foundation and then building a new religion out of it. And so he, he looked at it as a cult and he thought he was doing God a service by hunting down Christians and having them arrested and even approving of their of their deaths. Um, in uh, Acts, there's even a story where he sits in approval and holds the jackets of the men who stone um, a man named Stephen, who was a Christian, a believer, who gave testimony to Jesus Christ. And Saul actually held the jackets and approved. And not only did he approve, he actually got letters from those in authority and religious authority to go out and pursue Christians, basically go Christian hunting. And so that's what he did. And so I want to read to you a portion of scripture from 1 Timothy, and then I'll read to you a portion of scripture from the book of Acts. So 1 Timothy is uh, a book in the Bible where Paul 
which was previously Saul, um, is writing to his son in the faith, which is uh, someone who he taught the faith and modeled the faith to him. And he was actually like, Timothy was like an apprentice to Paul. So here, uh, Paul is writing a letter to Timothy, and that's what we have in our Bible is, is a letter. Um, so listen to these words. It says, uh, I thank Christ, this is 1 Timothy chapter 12, 1 through 14. It says, I thank Christ Jesus, our Lord, who has given me strength, that he considered me faithful, appointing me to his service, even though I was once a blasphemer and a persecutor and a violent man. I was shown mercy because I acted in ignorance and unbelief. The grace of our Lord was poured out on me abundantly, along with the faith and love that are in Christ Jesus. So here you have the Apostle Paul writing to Timothy, and he's stating that I thank the Lord for putting me into his service, for putting a calling on my life. Um, he goes, even though I was once a blasphemer. And if you don't know what a blasphemer is, um, basically as someone who speaks against God, who who does things against God, um, disrespecting God and calling, you know, using God's name out of his name, you know, is definitely a, a breaking of the commandments. And um, people who were blasphemers um, back in the day, they would they could actually get killed for blaspheming. Uh, so he said, I was a blasphemer and I was a persecutor. That means basically he was a hunter of Christians. And so like if you think about, you know, uh, uh, maybe a modern day, you know, radicalized, you know, maybe a Muslim, for example, you know, like someone like Osama bin Laden or or the Taliban or something like that. Um you know, they, they were radical in their beliefs. And if you don't believe as they do or don't submit to their teachings or beliefs, then, you know, that they, they could, would hurt you possibly, you know, or they would come against you. And, you know, persecution can come in many various forms. But he was a persecutor in the sense of taking people's lives and taking uh, people to jail and having them arrested. And it says he was a violent man. So I don't know if you ever met someone who's violent. But the Apostle Paul identified as a violent man. He says, I was a violent man. He goes, but I thank God, you know, I was shown mercy because I acted in ignorance and unbelief. And so when Paul says I was shown mercy, that's his way of referring to God saving him and not giving him what he deserves. So if you think about what is mercy, think about this. Think that you're standing before a judge you know, you're guilty. You know, the, the the DA has made a solid case against you and has been able to prove and provide the evidence to show that you are guilty of this, that, this and that crime and the other. And, you know, you only can stand before the judge and the judge says, what do you have to say for yourself? And you say, I have nothing to say for yourself. I am at the mercy of the courts. And basically, it's at that time where the judge is going to give you the judgment, right? Well, Mercy is when you don't get what you actually do deserve. So say, you know, the Apostle Paul knew I deserve death. You know, I deserve to be judged by God. You know, the harshest penalty for being a blasphemer, a persecutor of the church and being a violent man. Um, he says, but I was shown mercy. God didn't give me what I actually do deserve. You know, so that means that Paul came to a place in his mind and his experience where he realized, you know what? I deserved to be judged. 
I deserve to be sentenced by God for uh, the nature of my heart and for my mindset and for my behaviors and the things that I did. And he says, but I did it in ignorance and unbelief. And for a lot of people, that is the case, is that a lot of the things that they do, they do it in ignorance or unbelief. You know, they don't understand. They they're not always intentionally doing it. It's like you think about it. What is doing something in ignorance or unbelief? Well, say like you're driving down the road, right? And the, you know, I just went to go pick up my kids right now from school and it switches real quick to the school zone where it goes to 25 miles per hour. And the, before I go into it, it's like 35 miles per hour and say, I don't pay attention to that one little change. Okay. And there's a police officer sitting in the, you know, in a little, you know, on the side of the street and I pass by him and he hits me with the radar and I'm going 35 still. He pulls me over and I say, officer, I didn't know. Do you think that I'm going to get away with not getting a ticket? Probably not. I mean, if he's cool, right on. Um, but still, that law is in place for a reason for the protection of the children, right? So even though I did it in ignorance and if I if I drove over the speed limit in ignorance, you know, it doesn't mean that I get off. I'm still guilty of it and would get a ticket, and rightfully so, right? Um, but then there's a difference between doing it ignorantly and then doing it intentionally. Like I don't saying I don't care that there's a a, a speed limit for 25 miles per hour and and I hit the gas anyways. You know, that's intentional. Both are going to get me the same ticket. Okay. Now, obviously, you know the police officer can't see my heart. He doesn't know. You know, hey. You know, it was an accident. You know, I, I just wasn't paying attention. I'm sorry. You know, um, so anyone could say, oh, it was an accident, you know, and then everyone would get off without getting a ticket. Right. So the, the officer more than likely is going to just treat everybody the same. Like, sorry, you know, maybe you'll pay attention better next time. So that's what doing something in ignorance is. And, you know, I did a lot of things in ignorance when I was um, out in what, you know, Christians call in the world before Christ. Um, and I didn't come to Christ until I was 20 years old. So I had some years in my teenage years and up to 20 that I was really running amok. And then I, and then, uh, just kind of like give a real quick version. And then as we do more podcasts, you'll probably hear more of my story. And then, um, for three years I got saved at 20 and which means I surrendered my life to the Lord. And then, I um, served him strong for three years, but then when I was about 23 years old, I had backslidden. And we can get into that in another date. Um, that's a story in and of itself. Um, and I'm thankful that I'm able to look back at the grace of God before Christ and even as a backslidden Christian. Um, so hopefully you guys, you know, will have mercy on me and, you know, and show some love and grace, you know, because it's not easy, you know, admitting our mistakes and our failures, you know, but, you know, thank God for his grace. And I thank God that I'm judged by God's standard and, and I'm offered the the precious blood of Jesus to cover my sin um, before Christ and after Christ. Amen. So, um, you know, that's something we can get into later, but uh, I know what it's like to sin in ignorance and I know what it's like to sin intentionally. Okay. Um, you know, before Christ, I didn't know really what sin was, you know, because I was not raised in the things of God. Like I had a concept because, you know, I have been to church a couple times. 
um, like I understand it was bad things, but I had never like actually been taught like about sin and instructed on sin and things of that nature, you know, because I didn't grow up in a Christian home. I didn't grow up with a Christian background. Um, I shared in my last podcast, my uh, last um, podcast, podcast that um, uh, my mom, you know, she grew up with a, a worldview of being a Catholic, but she wasn't a practicing Catholic. Like she could repeat the creed to you, but she wasn't like practicing practicing her faith. Like she didn't go to church. She didn't teach me about God. She didn't talk about Jesus or, you know, or Mary or she didn't talk about nothing. You know, she just basically the main message, if I could look back was, you know, she would say, mijo, be good and, you know, do good in school and don't get in trouble and, you know, get a good job. And that's basically the gist of her message, you know? So, you know, I didn't get taught about the things of God. So, you know, when I was out there running amok, you know, I was in my sin and and I became more rebellious and rebellious against God. And I know I came uh, to a point where I was being intentionally, um, I would even say wicked, you know, and very evil, you know, in my heart and in the way I behaved. And it's, it's funny because I can say that and then in the same breath tell you that I thought I was a good person. So it's kind of a trip the way we can live with a contradiction in our life, right? And uh, so I was living in rebellion towards God, but um, a lot of it was unintentional sin because a lot of my sin and a lot of my my drug addiction and uh, my involvement in criminal activity and the things that I was involved in, the people I was involved with, you know, a lot of it was rooted in pain, you know, from my childhood and from things I experienced. And so, you know, I had a lot of hatred in my heart and I had a lot of things in my heart from when, even back to when I was a child. And so like, if you don't know how to cope with things and you don't have an answer for these things in your heart, you know, you don't have any hope and you don't know where to go to with your problems, you know, you do the best you can to cope with your problems the best way you can, right? And so very young, I started getting into drugs and started using drugs as my way of dealing with, you know, my personal pain. And then it turned into partying and stuff like that. Then it turned into, full, you know, full-blown addiction. And so then it's just becoming a slave of the drugs themselves, you know. And uh, uh, it, it's uh, it's interesting as you watch the the flow of things is... You know, I didn't mean to be bad intentionally at first. I was just, you know, you start off experimenting, um, trying drugs with, you know, maybe a friend or a cousin or something. Next thing you know, you're you're a weekend warrior. You're doing it like on the weekends. And then it escalates and you do more of the drug. Now you start experimenting with other drugs. And now you start getting into this whole other scene and a whole other drug culture. You know, and especially when you start like, you know, getting involved in like selling drugs and things of that nature, you know, you start knowing that you're involved in bad things, but it's so subtle and it just grows and it creeps into your life. And so it went from a place of being bad ignorantly and sinning in ignorance, just like the Paul, the apostle Paul said, he said, I did it in ignorance and unbelief. Um, I did things in ignorance, but it came to a point where, um, yeah, I was doing things pretty intentionally um, for wrong reasons, and I knew what I was doing. But I, I didn't really feel that bad about it. I didn't really have too much of a guilty conscience about it because, like I said, I really didn't have 
too much of a, a Christian standard or a biblical standard to compare my behavior against or anyone in my family to to like model against, you know, to say, you know, well, this is what a Christian looks like or or they're a good person like that. Um, basically, I, I could just justify and rationalize, you know, all of my behavior and all of my choices, um, you know, using my pain and my past experience as an excuse, you know, but it still didn't excuse me. Does that make sense? And so Paul, he says, I was shown mercy because I acted in ignorance and unbelief. And when Paul says here that he acted in unbelief, he's saying he, he didn't believe that Jesus was the Messiah. He, he did not act in faith because he didn't believe at the time. So obviously he's not going to behave like he does believe. So he did what he thought was right. He thought he was doing God a service by going after these, you know, these uh, this new cult type group, you know, called um, uh, disciples of Jesus or, or, or believers, or even then uh, they're called Christians, but it, the word Christian was used in a derogatory sense. And as Christians stood for little Christ, you know, these little Christ-like followers um, or Christ wannabes, basically. And um, so that's kind of where Paul was at, you know. As he's writing as a Christian and he realizes that God extended his mercy and he extended his grace, even though right here um, he says, um, I was shown mercy. He goes into it. He says, I acted in ignorance and unbelief. And then he put this, he put the grace of our Lord was poured out on me abundantly. Do you know the difference between grace and mercy? Mercy, like I said earlier is not getting what you do deserve. Where grace is getting something that you don't deserve. And I know it kind of seems like a play on words, but think about it. So if you stand before a judge, you're guilty as charged, and you know you know what, you got time hanging over your head, and you're just waiting for that gavel to drop and that sentence to be placed on you, and you know you're going away for a long time. And the judge says, you know what? I'm going to just give you house arrest and you know what? You're going to be on probation. Let this be a lesson to you. Take this as an opportunity to change your life, young man. Woo, 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 right? Boom. That's mercy. But now grace. Now I know this is like a crazy example that would have happened in a court, but just use as an example of, of God's grace. Okay. So not only did God grant us mercy through Jesus Christ and not give us what we deserve, which is judgment, the penalty for our sin and for all of our wickedness and all the things that our conscience would accuse us of. Not only did he give us mercy, he gave us grace through Jesus Christ on the cross of Calvary. And if you guys don't know, the cross of Calvary was not just uh, God taking away our sin through Jesus's shed blood. It was also through the resurrection that he gave us life. So if you hear about the, the term the gospel, it's the cross and it's the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And so not only did he take away our sin, he actually gave us life and life abundantly in Christ through the Holy Spirit that he that he poured out into our lives. And so it's like not only are you not going to hell, now you have life, you have meaning, you have purpose, you have destiny inside of you pumping through your veins you have a reason to live now now you're living for a bigger picture and it's like this life is just a testing zone 
And you're going to step into a place one day called heaven that where you, every tear will be wiped away and every pain will be forgotten. And it's going to be amazing because you're going to be with Jesus and you're not going to experience the pain of this world. You're not going to have to deal with the ugliness of life and the pain of life and the unanswered questions of life. You're going to be at peace. You're going to be walking with the Lord. And, you know, as I know sometimes we get pictures in our minds of like maybe like little fat cherubs like sitting on clouds or something like that. No, man, I think it's going to it's going to be like how God set up garden in, the Garden of Eden in the beginning of Scripture before sin came into the world where it was supposed to be a beautiful thing of where God wanted human beings. God wanted people and he wanted them to create and to grow and to uh, become, you know, a civilization. But he wanted it to be done righteously, you know. Well, I think when we go into heaven, you know, the scripture gives a pretty good indication that's going to be a new heaven and a new earth and that we're going to be able to function in righteousness without sin, without pain, without sickness, without disease, without crime, without, you know, child molestation, without, you know, all these things, you know, all these horrible things, you know, that exist in our world today. You know, there's going to be enough food. There's going to be shelter. You know, there's going to be, you know, just everything that everyone needs and every tear will be wiped away. That's going to be amazing. You know, and that's the grace of God, not just mercy, him not giving us what we don't deserve, but the grace of God where he gives us above what we even deserve. He goes above and beyond and blesses us with favor and 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 grace and love. And it's just an amazing thing. And so, like, if you wonder why sometimes Christians get wrapped up talking about Jesus, it's because they've had an experience that maybe other people haven't had, you know, well, they have had an experience that other people haven't had, because if you don't understand this, this joy, if you don't understand this, you know, this love that resides in our hearts that we speak about as believers, um, yeah, it's not going to make a whole lot of sense. You know, I mean, if you go back to ask me, you know, if I would have ever thought that reading my Bible and going to church and, you know, meeting with other believers was going to be my idea of a good time, I would have laughed in your face. You know, that would have been my version of a really bad time. You know, it's like, why would I want to be religious? You know, I would have looked at that in terms of just being religious. And why do I want that? You know, I'd rather be kicking it with my homies and, you know, smoking a blunt, you know, and, and drinking and partying and, and, you know, doing all kinds of other mess that I was involved in. Um, you know, that would have been my idea of a good time. But that's not even my idea of a good time no more. It's like, it's not that I just made a decision and said, oh, you know what? I don't want to do that stuff no more, um, you know, because I want to be good. No, God took the desire out of my heart when I surrendered to him at the age of 20 years old. He took the desire out of my heart. He took the heart of stone, the heart of hatred out of me, and he gave me a brand new heart. And that from that day forward, I have never been the same again. I've been marked. You know, I've been I've been I've been, you know, I, I, I was ruined for Jesus. I could never go back. And like I said, I had backslid like three years later because, you know, some things came into my life that, you know, really I was not prepared for. And uh, I tried going back to the world, man. I tried going back and picking up right where we left off. And and how many of you guys know that, you know, if we don't have a vision for our future, if we don't have hope for our future, 
it's there's a good chance we're going to go back to exactly the things that we used to do. And that's exactly what I did when I fell away from the Lord. Well, I didn't even fall away. It was an intentional rebellion. I was just so angry, you know. And uh, uh, and so I tried to go back, and I and I tried to do exactly what I used to do, and I did do that stuff. But guess what? I wasn't happy. It did not do for me what it used to do for me. It did not feed my ego. It did not make me feel like I was a uh, a. Uh, uh, anywhere good or like I was doing anything good or anything worthwhile, I knew that I was living a lie. I knew I was living, um, you know, out of my identity because I knew that I was a new person. I was a new creation in Jesus Christ. So how could I go back to this vomit? How could I go back to this old way of living? But yeah, I tried and I tried and tried. And let me tell you what, I was one of the most miserable, miserable backsliding Christians you could have ever met. I tell you what, man, I was a I was a party pooper, man. We'd be sitting there smoking on uh, on dope, and you know, and I'd I'd be bringing up Jesus, you know, want to talk about God, and like, bruh, that's the type of person you don't want in the room when you're when you're getting on one, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> so, you know, uh, uh, yeah, man, Jesus ruined my life in the best way possible, um, you know, and I had to I had to learn that that wasn't my life no more. I couldn't even go back, you know. As much as I tried, I couldn't go back to my old way of living because I had been, that life that I lived was ruined. It was no good anymore. It was no longer a, an option, you know? And so that's what, you know, that's what Christians get, you know, hyped up about. That's what Christians get fired up about is because Jesus Christ, you know, he changed us, man. And so, you know, real quick before before we get going, I want to take you back to the book of Acts and I want to read to you um, the Apostle Paul his conversion story, you know, you know, I share bits and pieces of my testimony and, you know, I, I don't know if I, I, if I'm going to ever give my straight up whole testimony during this podcast, but, um, I do plan on, like I said, putting that in a book at some point in time. Um, but, um, I want you to hear Saul's testimony. Remember he's going by the apostle Paul now, you know, he was one of the biggest missionaries and church planters starting churches all over the um, uh, the area of that he preached. And but in the book of Acts, he was called Saul. You know, so he went from Saul to Paul. So listen to this in Acts chapter nine. Listen to Saul's conversion. OK, it says, meanwhile, Saul was still breathing out murderous threats against the Lord's disciples he went to the high priest and asked him for letters to the synagogues in Damascus. So he went to the religious leaders. So that if he found any there who belonged to the way, back then the Christians were, were um, known as the way. And I think it has to do with Jesus when he says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And so believers, you know, they were called the way. Um, so, uh, so that if he found any there who belonged to the way, whether men or women, he might take them as prisoners to Jerusalem. As he neared Damascus on his journey, suddenly a light from heaven flashed around him. He fell to the ground and heard a voice say to him, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? Who are you, Lord? Saul asked. I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting, he replied. Now get up. And go into the city, and you will be told what you must do. The men traveling with Saul stood there speechless. 
They heard the sound, but did not see anyone. Saul got up from the ground, but when he opened his eyes, he could see nothing. So they led him by the hand into Damascus. For three days he was blind, and he did not eat or drink anything. In Damascus, there was a disciple named Ananias. The Lord called to him in a vision, Ananias. Yes, Lord, he answered. The Lord told him, go to the house of Judas on Straight Street and ask for the man from Tarsus named Saul, for he is praying. In a vision, he has seen a man named Ananias come and place his hands on him to restore his sight. Lord, Ananias answered, I have heard many reports about this man and all the harm he has done to your saints in Jerusalem. And he has come here with authority from the chief priest to arrest all who call on your name. But the Lord said to Ananias, Go, this man is a chosen instrument to carry my name before the Gentiles and their kings and before the people of Israel. I will show him how much he must suffer for my name. Then Ananias went to the house and entered it, placing his hands on Saul. He said, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus, who appeared to you on the road as you were coming here, has sent me so that you may see again and be filled with the Holy Spirit. Immediately, something like scales fell from Saul's eyes and he could see again. He got up and was baptized. And after taking some food, he regained his strength. Saul spent several days with the disciples in Damascus. That's an amazing, amazing story of Saul on his way in pursuit of Christians to hunt them down, to take them to jail, to have them persecuted, and to have them be punished. Um, Jesus intervened him right in the middle of this process. So it's not like he was at church and he was hearing some good church music and he was getting emotional and feeling, you know, getting in his feelings, you know, and thinking about life. No, he was in the pursuit. It was he was he was on a mission to get these Christians. And yet God interrupted right there on the spot. Jesus said, Saul, what are you doing? And he says, your work for your work for a uh, uh, <laughs> basically the enemy because you know you're coming against christ you know you're siding with the enemy even though he was a religious man and he practiced you know righteousness so to speak but that's the thing about about uh, a salvation and being saved is you not only need to be saved from sin you also need to be saved from your own righteousness so it's like where the apostle paul or saul at, at this point you know he would have said he was a righteous man that he was an upstanding citizen, that he was a, a Pharisee of the Pharisees. If we read another portion of the scripture where he says that he was like the highest pedigree, you know, he was the highest caliber of, of a, 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 a religious man that you could be in Judaism, which is, you know, the Old Testament religion. And he, he had a lot of pride in that. He had what was known as spiritual pride. He had religious pride in how good he was, that he could look down his nose at other people and that he was very proud of himself and how good he was, how much of a moral, outstanding person that he was, because he did everything in his power to obey the laws of God. And that's a trip because 
he was just as much in need of a savior as I was when I was lost in the dope world and I was doing my thing and I was intentionally mocking God and being very uh, against the things of God, you know, and I was blind. I was in the, in the in the blindness of my sin. I was blinded by sin where Paul was blinded by his self-righteousness. And it only it's only through Jesus Christ that our eyes were open. My eyes were open to my sin of of being rebellious towards the Lord. I was coming against the Lord. I was uh, that that, you know, that prodigal son that was doing everything against the father, you know, where Saul was, you know, the the big, the older brother. If you guys heard the, the story of the prodigal son, he was the older brother that stood home and did everything that the father said to do and felt self-righteous and condemned the, the younger brother who took off and was living, you know, a licentious and crazy lifestyle. You know, it's like they are both in need of the father. They are both in need of forgiveness. They are both in need of Jesus. And that's the beautiful thing about salvation is that I was in need of Jesus, you know, going all out, being a fool. And Paul was in need of Jesus or Saul was in need of Jesus, you know, even though he was trying to obey all the laws. Because that's the thing about the mercy and the grace of God found through the cross of Christ is that it is something that you do not deserve. You cannot earn this thing. You have to come with open arms and say, Lord, there is nothing I can offer you. If I was to stand before you and, and you were to ask me, why should I be allowed into your heaven? Uh, I would I would not have anything to point at. You know, I can't point at how much I went to church or how good I was or or how much I, I tried to be a good person and try to obey the Ten Commandments. I can't point to that I'm better than the next person because I cannot be justified in and of myself. I can only be justified through the cross of Jesus Christ. And if my words to you when you ask me, why should I let you into my heaven or not, you shouldn't. I should not be let into your heaven into your heaven because it doesn't matter that if I'm better than anyone else. It doesn't matter what good things I've done in my life. I know that I have fallen short of the glory of God and I've sinned against you and I've sinned against heaven. And, and I know that I'm, I am in desperate need of your grace and your mercy because if I get what I deserve, that I'm going to be rightfully judged and I'm going to be sentenced to an eternity in hell because I have offended the most pure, most holy, most loving, most beautiful person ever in existence, you know, God, Jesus himself. And for me to think that I deserve to get in is just another sign of my pride and my self-righteousness. And I am blind to the fact that I am a sinner in need of grace. So it doesn't matter whether you're a religious sinner or whether you're a, uh, you know, a homeboy, you know what I mean? And, and you are all bad. You know what I'm saying? It's like, it doesn't matter because if you are not depending on the precious blood of Jesus for your salvation, if you are not depending on the cross of Christ and the cross of Christ alone for your salvation to say, you know what, Lord, this is the only thing I bring is my sin and my brokenness. And there's nothing I can do. I lay my rebellion at your feet. I lay all my guilt, all my shame at your feet. All the things that I've done, I lay them at your feet and say, Lord, Lord, if have mercy on me. And the Bible says that if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, you believe in your heart that you will be saved. That's an amazing thing. And so like even right now, if you're listening, you know what? And maybe you're you're you don't know the Lord. You know what, man? That's all you got to do is say, Lord, I come to you. 
I ask you for forgiveness. Please come into my heart and save me. You know, you don't have to know everything. You know, it's because he's the one who's going to change you. Or maybe you're out there and you're backslidden, you know, and you're listening to this and you're like, man, you know, I don't think I could come back. Man, there's nothing you can do except come to the cross all over again because that that's where it's at. Is like that is ground zero. That's the place you have to start from is that I can't do anything to earn my place in heaven. I can't do anything to earn my place with God except to to repent of my sin in my heart, which means to change my mind and say, you know what? I can't do anything. I just need to lay my life before you, God, and say, Lord, my life is in your hands and surrender. Surrender. And when you surrender to God, that's when you're going to know that you're forgiven because the word of God says that those who confess their sins will be forgiven. They will be forgiven by Christ. And not only will you be forgiven, the Bible says you will be given brand new life. The Holy Spirit. If you're backslidden, you didn't lose the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is still living within you, but you're grieving him and you're hurting him. And he he wants he wants you to get rid of the sin. And so you need to go back to the place where you began, that first love, where you say, Lord, I surrender, you know, and change your mind about yourself and about the direction you're going. You know, and really repentance, if you think about it, it's just a U-turn. It's turning my back on what I what I thought I knew. It's turning my back on on my sin and turning my heart towards Christ. You know, so um, I hope this, you know, this uh, session, you know, you were able to learn something about the nature of salvation. That it's not something you can earn. You can't point to your righteousness like Saul would have. You know, he would have pointed how righteous he was. You know, and, and you can't point to how bad you are. If I would have said, you know, would God ever accept me? I would have said, no, God would have nothing to do with someone like me. And yet Jesus came for sinners. And the thing is, just like I, I say at the intro of this podcast, is that there's only two types of people in this world, Jesus and sinners, because those are only two categories. Jesus is the only perfect one. I don't care how religious you are, how up, upright, how moral you are. You never done drugs. You've always done good in school. You got a great career. You got a great family. You are still in need of salvation. And that is the gospel message is that Jesus came to save. And that's why I call this the Jesus Saves podcast. And so hopefully I can continue to give you guys little lessons and snippets into the Christian life and and what this is all about and just kind of break things down a little bit. So I hope you're able to get something out of this. So I'm going to go ahead and pray. Father, I just pray right now for everyone who's who's listening to this. I pray, God, that you would just, Lord, intervene in their life, Lord. Uh, maybe, Lord, that maybe this uh, podcast wasn't for them right at this time. But I pray they're able to learn something and they're able to educate or refresh their mind. Um, for those that were in need of hearing this message, I pray, Lord, that you would just open their heart, Lord. And that you would just they would just invite you in and say, Lord Jesus, come into my heart. I surrender my life to you. Um, Lord, I pray that you would just make yourself known to them, that you would just, Lord, let your presence be known to them, let your presence be manifested to them, God, let their conscience be cleared of all the shame and all the guilt. And I pray that they would have a joy in their heart and that they would know, Lord, that they know that they know that they know that they have been forgiven of their sin and that they would, Lord, surrender their life to you and say, Lord, I don't know how to live this life, but I turn to you to teach me. And so I just want to encourage you right now, 
if if uh, if you don't have a church, man, get involved with the church. Get involved with the Bible study. Get involved with other believers who can help you help you get a Bible. You know, there's all kinds of different translations out there. There's so much th- things on a uh, on a uh, you know the internet, YouTube, um, where you can just hear so. There's so much uh, resources available. Um, and you know, if you ever if you just need to reach out to me, I can you know try to give you some type of resources. Um, you know, you could you could hit me up. My email is celos.garcia1980 at gmail.com. That's C-L-O-S period G-A-R-C-I-A 1980 at gmail.com. And you can also uh, find me on YouTube. I have a YouTube channel called Lace Thy Neighbor. Um, instead of love thy neighbors, lace thy neighbors, because I got a real big heart for discipleship and and basically each one reach one, teach one. And so I I love that saying, lace thy neighbor. Um, You can reach me through there and you can also reach me on Facebook, you know, Carlos Garcia. Um, And uh, I also have another Facebook page called Discipleship Network 559. So um, I know there's a lot of Carlos Garcias out there. So you can message me through that, uh, that Facebook group as well. Um, that page and I'll get back to you you know if you need prayer you need to talk you know hey reach out to me I would love to chop it up with you pray with you let's talk about the Lord Um, if you have questions man we can chop it up so man thank you guys for listening I hope you enjoyed uh, the the very first well actually it's the second episode that I put out but it's the very first actual uh, whole session that I put out Um, the first one was just the intro so Thank you guys for your time. Thank you for listening. God bless you. Have a wonderful night.